0: Uh, my name is Liang Huang, and I'm principal scientist at Bidu Research in Sunnyville, California, and I'm also an assistant professor of computer science at Oregon State University. But this work is about work that I've been doing at Bidu Research. Tell me a little bit about that research. So the topic is simultaneous translation, and this is kind of one of the most difficult problems in AI. Simultaneous translation is different from general translation. It has a time pressure. So general tra- machine translation. You can do it in any time you, time you want. You can take five minutes to translate a sentence. You can take 10 seconds to translate a sentence. That's up to you. But in simultaneous translation, you have to go in sync with the speaker. That is to say, you cannot delay too much and you, your, your translation has to be happening around the same time in a real-time sense with the, the original speech. So you might have heard of other companies' work, for example, Skype translation, which they claim can do real-time translation But it's real-time but not simultaneous in the sense that you would speak a sentence in, say, English, and then Skype would translate it into, say, German. And then the German speaker would respond in German, and the Skype translator would translate back to English. The time it takes is doubled in, in this mode. You have to do it consecutively, and you have to wait until your sentence is finished before you can translate it. So we call that consecutive interpretation or consecutive translation. And this is often done in the United Nations. And United Nations hire a lot of such simultaneous interpreters, human interpreters, to to perform this simultaneous translation every day um, in New York, in, in Geneva, yeah, United Nations. Yeah. So this is what we're trying to automate. Uh, that is simultaneous translation.
1: Roughly speaking, how many people, as a as a career, do simultaneous translation at that level?
0: Because simultaneous interpretation is extremely difficult for human beings mentally. It's extremely challenging to kind of concurrently comprehend one language in headset and also speak in another language. It is reported that only 2,000 or 3,000 qualified simultaneous interpreters can actually do this job worldwide. It's just so difficult that each qualified interpreter can only sustain for about 10 minutes after which you'd have to you know, switch off. And, and you know they work in pairs or so groups of three because each person can only sustain for a very limited amount of time, like 10 minutes. And there was a study, actually, uh, that after just a minutes of translation, their error rates grow exponentially. The interpreter is too tired. Uh, just oh, after a few minutes. Yeah. yeah, and the best interpreters in the world can only cover about 60% of the source material. Uh, this is a well-established number because uh, they have to strategically drop the other f- about 40% in order to keep up with the speaker. If they try to translate every single bit of the information that the speaker says, then they often run behind too much and, and lags behind uh, more and more. And that would render the, the user or the audience kind of out of sync with the speaker. Uh, so so they, they strategically choose to cover about 60% of the most important material. Yeah, this is again due to limited capacity of human memory.
1: Yeah, so we've gone over some of the reasons why this is a very hard task for a human being to do. Are there any uniquely machine challenges that make it difficult for machine learning to do simultaneous translation?
0: The main challenge for machines to do so is the word order difference between languages. So consider you're translating from German to English, and as many of you know, German is... Kind of weird uh, in its word order uh, for an English speaker. So it has subject, object, verb. Like verb is at the end, the verb final behavior in, in the, the embedded clauses. And in, in the main clauses, it's verb second. Um, so But it, it, linguistically, German is classified as underlyingly SOV. So it's like intrinsically, fundamentally still subject, object, verb. More like Japanese. Japanese is fundamentally SOV or subject object verb. The verb is always at the end. German is mostly like that. Uh, And Chinese is also kind of a weird mix of SVO and SOV that sometimes Chinese verb is like English in the second place. Sometimes it's at the very end like German or Japanese. So there's a famous joke in the United Nations and European Union whenever a German speaker starts to speak, the interpreter would often pause and, and do nothing for like 10 seconds or more. And when you are asking like, why are you not translating? And he would say, oh, I'm waiting for the German verb. It hasn't arrived yet. So this is a well-known challenge for machines to do simultaneous translation.
1: So if I understand correctly, um, when we were at NeurIPS together, this is when Baidu was making a big announcement. Is that correct?
0: Baidu made this announcement about two months ago, in late October and early November also, uh, so that we announced this breakthrough in, in simultaneous translation in our Baidu research Twitter and Baidu research blog. And and then on November the 1st, we had a Baidu World Conference where the CEO and founder Robin Li spoke about you know the progress of Baidu in AI and other fields. During that meeting, all his speech, Robin's speech, was translated simultaneously using our new technology. As Robin speaks, the Chinese subtitle or Chinese transcription is, is happening simultaneously, but also the English translation is also happening simultaneously and without much noticeable delay. The, the delay is about three seconds. Again, it's more like a human interpreter would do.
1: Very neat. What are some of the key things that make this model possible in sort of its deep learning construction?
0: Previously, it was difficult because the machines cannot handle all the difference. My breakthrough comes or the eureka moment comes when i said what if you do not want to wait for the german verb which comes at the very end what can you do it turns out that i know the human interpreters human simultaneous interpreters employ a special strategy in this case which they call anticipation that is you go ahead of the speaker you anticipate or predict what they're going to say in about five seconds or so like in the future In in the case of bush president in moscow with Russian President Putin meet. After you heard Bush President in Moscow, just the first four Chinese words, you can totally guess that it's very likely uh, that the verb would be meet. Because uh, what can he do? Like What can a President of the United States do in Moscow? In the training data that we have, which is mostly Newswire, it's like 99% chance that he's going to meet with somebody, likely the Russian President Putin. So given a lot of training data, uh, you can actually train a model to anticipate or to guess, not just a verb, but anything, any word ahead of time uh, so that you eliminate uh, the need to wait or pause for a very long time. Technically, the key idea is called a prefix-to-prefix model. So it's kind of like a sequence-to-sequence model where everybody uses in not just translation, but all, all kinds of other things as well. We cannot have the full sequence Uh, because we do not want to wait to the end of the source sentence. We want to start the translation as soon as possible. So our idea is to only have the prefix, and then you force, during training time, during deep learning training time, you force the model to predict the target-side prefix, given the source-side prefix. At each time step, we only have a growing prefix of the source sentence that is incrementally revealed to us, one word at a time, not like the full sentence, the full sequence. The target side, of course, is also generated incrementally. um, That is, one word at a time. We call this wait-K model, or a prefix-to-prefix model, where you would wait for the first K Chinese words, or short short side word, and then you would translate one by one. Oh, sorry, one Chinese word in, one English word out, one Chinese word in, one English word out, so that the user does not feel a delay, right? The user only feels a delay at the beginning. After about three seconds into the speech, uh, this translation starts and then it grows at the same speed with the source language speech. So this is very much like, again, human interpreters. They would kind of wait for about three seconds into the speech and then they start to translate. And this wait k provides some context for guessing. If you wait too little, like if you wait one word, then probably you cannot guess the right word.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of intuitive sense. Today's podcast is supported by the University of San Francisco. At USF, you can study the new digital economy from its ground zero, surrounded by the firms that built it and the startups that will create the next revolution. The University of San Francisco's new Master's in Applied Economics is a STEM-designated program that combines economics training with the practical skills and data analytics needed to understand the new digital economy. Study the economics of platforms auctions, pricing, reputation, and business strategy. At the same time as you learn the tools of econometrics, causal influence, experimental design, and machine learning using R and Python. To learn more and get your application fee waiver, go to usfca.edu skeptic. That's usfca.edu skeptic. Do you, when you go out to construct your machine learning process, do you have to set up the architecture or add in some ensemble learning to kind of take those intuitions you shared and make them a part of the system? Or are those behaviors that emerge out of a well-constructed uh, deep neural network?
0: Uh, so this is, again, a sequence-to-sequence, sequence, uh, no, a variation of sequence-to-sequence sequence model, which we call a prefix-to-prefix prefix model, right? Mm-hmm. So the training time is different from sequence to sequence, but you know, kind of inspired by sequence to sequence. Mm-hmm. It's actually very easy to do. So so based on any existing sequence to sequence framework or code base, you can just hack our idea onto it but with very minor changes. So even though the model looks quite different, uh, and, and that difference is actually kind of hard to, to to come up with. But 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 once you come up with the idea, the actual change in the code base is actually relatively minor. And so that's another surprising feature of this work that it actually is very simple to very easy to do once you had the idea. It's just the idea itself is very hard to come up with.
1: Yeah, interesting. And what sort of data set do you do your training on? How big does it need to be? And what's sort of the nature of the data?
0: So You normally would think that you would need to train on some special simultaneous translation data set, which is different from normal machine translation data set. But actually, we we don't have those specialized data sets, so we can only use the normal classical machine translation data set, which is mostly Newswire. The data set is just the same as those we train a normal machine translation system that is many, many sentence pairs, one English sentence, one Chinese sentence, one English sentence, one Chinese sentence. They're called parallel sentences. And we have like one million or two million, actually two million of those Chinese English sentence pairs. So this number varies between for for different language pairs. For example, for German English, we we'll, we'll have a little bit more data. But for Chinese English dataset, uh, the experiments that we do in this paper, we only used two million sentence pairs, which is okay. Which is kind of a, a okay number. Even if you have only one million, that's fine. You don't. You only need the same dataset that you normally use for machine translation. Just use it in a different way when you train your system. So normally, you would use the full source sentence, the full sequence and then you try to force it to predict the target sentence. That's how you train a normal machine translation system. In our case, you would use the same set of data, but treat each sentence as you know a growing prefix. So you first use the first two words to, to force it to predict the first English word, then first three Chinese word words to predict the second English word, and so on. So you just use the same data, same old data, in a new and creative way.
1: So, it seems to me there's one parameter you have here in doing simultaneous translation there's you know how much you wait versus how much you try and predict. is that a way in which you frame the problem and and if so, do you know anything about you know the changes to accuracy or whatever diagnostic you're looking at as you give more or less wait time for the translation system to kind of see into the future a bit
0: There's a trade off between latency and 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 quality right so if you wait longer. Of course, you can predict it better, and you can translate better. The user would prefer, of course, low latency and high quality. But there's always a trade-off. You know, if you do low latency, then the quality likely would suffer a little bit. There's a sentence, example sentence, which says, "Jiang Zemin, which is the previous previous Chinese president, to French presidents to China visit, express gratitude." And in a weight three model, weight three first three words. You would start translating after her. You hear the first three Chinese words, which is Jiang Zemin 2. and then you you would start to do word by word translation, which is Jiang Zemin expressed his appreciation for the visit by a French president. And in this case, the wave three model would work okay. What if um, which is unlikely, but what if? the last Chinese word instead of gratitude is actually regret. Uh-huh. That's, you know, so maybe maybe not Jasmine to French presence visit, but Jasmine to French president's remarks or a statement express regret. And then our system would make a mistake if you wait just three words, but if you wait just two more words, that is wait five words, then you have enough time to catch, to hear the last word regret before you translate that word. So in that case, You have more latency which is bad but but you avoid the the mistake of you know express gratitude or express regret you just have enough context to see the word regret Uh, so there's always a trade-off and human interpreters do make mistakes uh, in anticipation and prediction in case of like a sentiment uh kind of yes or no or kind of positive negative mistake which is that big then human interpreters would often have to say, oh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, blah, blah, I retranslate, right? Uh, if it's not that much a mistake, then they would could just, just go on. Technically speaking, gratitude and, and appreciation are not the same word, right? So the Chinese sentence says express gratitude. In anticipation, we translate it into express his appreciation. But that's fine. That That's you know totally fine. So, so in this case, human interpreters don't need to make a correction. Um, so we are working on the next version of this system, which has an ability to detect and correct kind of critical mistakes like this, even though the critical mistakes are not very li- likely. In the current version of our system, we do not have a way to detect and correct these mistakes. Yeah, that's something we will release in the next version, but we we, we, we do have a very easy way to, to do that, to detect the mistakes and the correct mistakes.
1: Can you share anything about maybe some empirical diagnostics on the, I don't know if accuracy is appropriate for the system, or if it's F1 score, how do you measure the quality of your work?
0: Uh, We use a blue blue score, which is a metric for translation quality. So this blue score, again, is based on full sentence translation. That is a string level similarity between your machine's output, your machine translation, and a human translation, which we call reference translation. For the same Chinese sentence, we just hire a human being to translate into to English, who, who is, of course, a bilingual speaker to translate into English. And then we compare the human reference with our translation. And the higher the blue score, the better. Meaning like if the blue score is 100, it means you have the identical translation uh, with the human translation. But of course, you cannot get 100% because it, one given Chinese sentence, there are a lot of different ways to translate into English, right? So translation is unlike a classification problem does not have a unique right answer. For a given sentence, there are often like tens or dozens of correct translations. You know, even human-to-human translation, blue score metric would be like about 60% or, or even lower, just, just because they're, they're just, you know, not a unique answer, right? Because we're doing simultaneous translation, we'll do suffering quality when you have a smaller weight rewards of, uh, model, right? So in this case, the wait three words model is about four points worse than full sentence translation. So, full sentence translation, you have to wait to the end of a, full, a whole sentence, which is bad in latency. If, and if you do our simultaneous translation with only three words delay, which is about 1.2 to 2 seconds, you get about four blue points less in quality. And if you wait five words, or about three seconds delay, it's about 3.4 blue scores less. Than full sentence translation, so this is the cost that you have to pay uh, if you want to do simultaneous translation, right? So it's, it's a lot like like our score is worse than the baseline, uh, meaning like we are bad. No, it means that this is some cost, some some trade off between quality and latency, and we think that number could be you know reduced a little bit further, but we will, it won't will not be zero, right? It will not be right. zero difference. Yes, yeah.
1: Well, this, your work does seem like a major step forward in translation in general. With that in mind, can you tell me a little bit about where are the frontiers in translation? What are the breakthroughs left to be done? And what's uh, interesting things you're looking forward to putting research time into?
0: This is a special scenario in translation, right? So it's not like general translation where there's no time constraint. I would not say this is a kind of major... Uh, improvement in translation, because translation is very broad, right? So there are a lot of different scenarios of translation. We are only targeting at simultaneous translation, right? So we think that simultaneous translation is very user-friendly. So just the comparison between consecutive translation and simultaneous translation, if you use our current Baidu uh, Translate app or Google Translate app or whatever Translate app to conduct a conversation Say in Japanese. In Japanese, when you travel to Japan, and if you don't speak Japanese, and you would you know say something to your phone in English, and then the phone would translate that to Japanese, and then the Japanese person would respond in Japanese, and the phone translate back to English. You know, it would cost you twice as much time as you could do uh, in one language, right? So if you want to order something, it might only take you, uh, or, or like you would book a ticket or or check into a hotel, which you you would take only like say two minutes to do uh, if, if you can speak English to that person, but that would take about four minutes, right? twice as much time. And that would, would often make the user frustrated because you know, <laughs> I was not accustomed to like, this kind of conversation taking twice as much time. Um, but if you have simultaneous translation, the, the other side uh, of your conversation can see or hear the result simultaneously as you speak. So it's only about three seconds delay. And also, we have a use case in a conference setting. If you take your Baidu Translate app, and if you know the, the next version of Baidu Translate app certainly kind of support this simultaneous translation feature, uh, which we're working on right now, you can just look at your, your iPhone screen or you can just listen to your phone when the, the conference is totally in German and if you don't understand German. And you can just see the English translation kind of simultaneously and in sync uh, with... Uh, the speaker. And in general, I think translation is a great thing that it breaks the barrier between people. It breaks the barrier between cultures, between countries. And simultaneous translation would just further make it uh, even more smooth because you don't even last that time, right? So you don't even need to take twice as much time to do so. There's a <laughs> a joke that you know using translation, you can pretty much in the current technology of translation you can, you can achieve a lot of a lot of things, but the current technology cannot let people speaking different languages to date each other. But we think that with a simultaneous translation tool, it's possible to to date another person who speaks a totally different language, which you don't know. Yeah, that that would be you know fantastic, but it's it's just goes all the way to the extreme of breaking down the barriers between human beings, and between cultures, and between languages, and between cu- countries. So that's that's the, our ultimate goal uh, in, in, in this research. But of course, towards that step, there's one piece that is missing. Currently, we only do speech-to-text translation, right? So in other words, we only sold the subtitles, or the, the translated subtitles. Human beings do prefer if they can listen to the headset. Just like if you watch a movie from other countries, you have two options. One, sometimes it's just subtitle translation, but you would still prefer if, you know, the conversations are already translated into English speech, right? So then you can just listen to uh, the headset. Uh, we, we're working on that, but we we, we don't uh, have a good solution for that yet. So that's, again, very challenging. And to read it out, you have to be fluent in, in English prosody, right? You cannot be like, you know, uh, like, to, to, like like you cannot sound like robotic. You have to sound like a real human being. Kind of, this is called text to speech synthesis or TTS. The current TTS technology still relies on the whole sentence in order to be very fluent. Uh, if you give it the whole sentence, then it knows where to rise the tone, where to drop the tone, where to do, to, to do the emphasis, where to take a lo- lo- slightly longer pause and stuff like that. But if you only review each word one by one one by one like in a very incremental way, uh, then, then it, it poses new challenges again on to the TTS system. So again, this, this is a kind of active research direction uh, that we are pursuing in the hope that next year in the By the World Conference, we can launch a speech-to-speech, simultaneous speech-to-speech translation system, not just speech-to-text. And then non-Chinese speakers could just listen to the headset while our CEO Robin speaks. That would be fantastic.
1: Wow, yeah. I'll certainly be keeping my eyes out to see if that happens. Very exciting.
0: (laughs) Right. We cannot promise that we will deliver by that date, but uh, it's our goal. Our technology is not intended to totally replace the human interpreters. We try to reduce their burdens because, as I said, there are only 2,000 or 3,000 qualified simultaneous interpreters worldwide, and there's a huge demand in simultaneous translation because there are a lot of international conferences, more and more like international summits, and a lot of those conferences wanted to provide simultaneous translation or simultaneous interpretation, but there's just not enough supply. We are not intended to replace human interpreters. We think that their service will still be needed in a lot of situations where You'd require like very accurate translations, let's say between the two presidents, for example, uh, one-on-one meeting between two, two presidents, and you know a lot of situations will still rely on human interpreters. So We're not intending to kind of fully replace them.
1: Well, thanks again for coming on the show and sharing all your expertise.
0: Thank you so much. My pleasure.